It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Seven minutes after seven o'clock. Good Saturday morning. Hour number two of Green and Growing starts now. I want to say good morning to Jessica. I know she's up listening because she had some concerns about her tea, olive, and so did Bill and Marietta and probably approximately 143 others. Uh, have concerns about those tea olives. So we are talking about cold damage to any plants that worry you this morning. 404-872-0750. Good morning to William as well and Paul up early listening to the show. So, um, you know, I really liked Margie that she had the question last hour about the night blooming cirrus or queen of the night, uh, either one of those flowering cacti that open at night. Uh, What a special plant. So... That got me thinking about the recent blog that I wrote about caring for holiday plants because I thought about, well, you know, you got your holiday cactus that so many of you enjoyed uh, from October to December of those Thanksgiving and Christmas cactuses, just really cacti, uh, really putting on a good show. So if you receive some nice gifts over the holidays, I know you got a lot of cookies. I still have uh, whatever cookies Shadow hasn't gotten to are still on my counter. So working our way through those, but maybe you're fortunate enough to get holiday plants, right? So most of those you can keep looking good all year long. Some are worth the effort, some maybe not so much. Uh, but if you want to challenge yourself to keep a poinsettia alive, now that may be the one that you're like, nah, they're so affordable, they're so cheap, I'm just going to toss it out. That's fine, but I like a challenge. So challenging myself to keep that alive until next Christmas, at least until the summertime, see if I can do it. Uh, maintaining the moisture over the next couple of months not watering too much, but don't let it dry out for a long stretch of time. And it's as simple as sticking your finger in the top layer of soil down to your knuckle. So what is that, about an inch, inch and a half? Just see if that if that soil needs some water, needs some moisture. If it does, water it. If it's still a little bit damp, you don't need to. Uh, leave it in its current pot until late winter or early spring, maybe. So whatever pot it came in from the nursery. Uh, Walter Reeves recommends trimming it back once the floral bracts, or that's the colored leaves. You know, all the leaves look the same, but the bracts are the ones that change color and give us that really pretty pink or red. So trim it back once the floral bracts have faded and move it outside after the last chance of frost. So a lot of the advice I'm giving you is just pushing those plants outside once there's no chance of frost. And, you know, when we've seen kind of what the average last frost date. I mean, that has been kind of a roller coaster up and down over the last couple of years. If I just look here at the University of Georgia uh, College of Ag website, let's see, trending last frost date. The latest one we had in recent memory in uh, North Georgia anyways, in Metro Atlanta was around April 17th. That's pretty late, uh, 2018. Generally, though, we're looking at mid-March. Um, last frost could have been as as soon as March 8th, which would be awesome if we were out of the woods by March 8th, uh, but generally maybe around March 22nd or so. But either way, getting that outside after the last chance of frost. And poinsettias can be huge. They just kind of grow all leggy and stemmy. And uh, so repotting it around April and maybe pinching out the growth tips, just like you would do with mums to make sure they grow a little more compact and keeping the shape of that down a little bit. Uh, amaryllis. The flowers, of course, very showy, beautiful near the Christmas table. But yeah, the flowers have faded. You cut the entire stem away, go down to the base of the pot, cut the entire stem out once those flowers have faded. Keep them in the pots, though, near a sunny window for now. 
Uh, plant the bulbs outdoor in late April. That's exactly what I do. I'll go find a great place and a bed at the end of the driveway. Plant the bulbs outside in late April. Fertilize them a couple of times in the summertime, and all the while keeping the long leaves attached. So as long as a bulb has those leaves, you can put it right in the ground, leaves and all, and that's what's really going to take in that sunlight, right? Again, to kind of recharge the battery and send energy down to the bulb. Uh, the Thanksgiving and even the Christmas cacti, most of them have finished blooming. Not a lot you need to do with those. Like we were talking with Margie about the uh, queen of the night. They're tough plants, right? They're succulents. Uh, with the right care, you can enjoy those for decades. They'll live a long, long time. Mickey Gasway from Pike Nursery, who many of you know, says you can wait until the spring if you need to repot one, and I'm going to be doing that. Uh, plant, plant them in fast-draining, coarse-blended soil. So that makes sense. Something a little more sandy. There are specific potting mixes out there for cacti specifically. So you want fast-draining soil, nothing that retains any moisture. Don't water them a lot. And enjoy them as they just continue to grow and drape over the pot's edges. If they seem like they're getting a little long, you can certainly go ahead and cut those back. And whatever you cut off, go ahead and just stick it in a pot. Um, Put it in a a little small pot of sand or something like that and see if you can kind of propagate them and and get some others. Uh, But the key to enjoying greenery, too, a lot of you may want to hang on to some of those wreaths that you had, the beautiful Christmas wreaths. Maybe take the red bow off, but it can still last through the wintertime. Any greenery like that retaining its moisture. So continuing to mist it, continuing to spray it, and keep it out of direct sun, away from heat, uh, vents, fireplaces, that kind of thing. Also a fire risk. Uh, But keeping those things around as long as you can. Just kind of make the holiday season last a little bit longer. 404-872-0750 is the number. So uh, talking about tea olives, and I posted pictures on the Facebook page of exactly what yours may look like right now. And we're going to have a, a good discussion on that uh, on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page. And then Paul shared a great picture of his sago palm. And that had some freeze damage as well. That's definitely something that's not hardy uh, to our zone, as you well know. So a lot of folks took the precautions if their palms were potted, bringing those pots in. But if they were in the ground, you did your best to cover it, right, when you knew that freeze was coming, uh, covering it with a cardboard box, a sheet, something that goes all the way to the ground is really, and, and keep that in mind for next time. If we have another freeze, be it two weeks from now, a month and a half from now, whenever meteorologist Christina Edwards says it's coming, go ahead and get anything you can, frost cloths, ready to go ahead and cover these things all the way to the ground if you can. Tea olives, I know you probably can't. They're like 12 feet high, some of them. Uh, but a sago palm, definitely. So now what we're seeing with the fronds, if they are just completely yellow and completely brown, it doesn't by any means uh, mean that the plant is dead, right? But dead fronds, dead limbs, dead leaves aren't doing the plant any good. So you are able to kind of cut some of those back if you need to. And what's left of the base of the plant, you certainly are welcome to put mulch over it to protect it from the next time, help it retain a little bit of moisture as well, pile leaves over it. And everybody just had a really, really great discussion about whether it was their windmill palms or sago and the threat of all of this. Um, And Rick Smith, the pruning guru, weighed in as well, talking about, you know, seeing all kinds of things, not only the sagos and the tea olives, but people are mentioning their gardenias and ligustrums, viburnums, all kinds of things. And there's just nothing we need to do right now. Um, I mean, as I said, you can just certainly cut away what's dead, especially in the case of a palm. But don't do major pruning to any of our shrubs or ornamental things, right? You just kind of want to let those be 
Um, and hope for the best. Hope that everything's going to rebound in the springtime. Uh, that is going to be the promise of a new season for a lot of these things. And again, the soil temperature, it did drop. It dropped a lot because of the consistent cold that we had for those three or four days. But I just don't know that the soil temperature in most places, I'll have to go back and kind of see what the lowest soil temperature got to. I don't think it got low enough to really snap those uh, completely and just kill out the plants. So uh, something else to mention too, moving on from the cold, today is going to be a nice day. It's going to be pretty mild, about 60 degrees for most of Metro Atlanta. Uh, things to do this weekend. I've got a great section on the website, wsbradio.com slash green and growing. When you go on the website, if you're not on Facebook, I you know I, I hear you rolling your eyes and shaking your head. I wish you'd stop talking about our Facebook page. I'm not on Facebook. Well, go to wsbradio.com slash green and growing and you've got access to Uh, a lot of my things there as well. Scroll to the bottom and go to events. And I keep that up to date. And it was a little sleepy in December, not going to lie. Some of the events that I had posted for you and your family were just seeing all the different light shows uh, at the different venues around town. But now stuff's starting to heat up, right? We got more classes. We got more meetings. We got more things to get involved in, garden clubs and whatnot. So they let me know about their events. I share those with you. Today is the big day, though, for Christmas tree recycling. So you're ready to take that Christmas tree down. Maybe it's still standing in your living room or your dining room and it's bare. You've taken the ornaments and the lights off. Uh, a lot of Home Depot loca- locations throughout Metro Atlanta are doing the bring one for the chipper uh, event. And so you're able to recycle your Christmas tree at Home Depot locations. In Cobb County, they're also taking them at Fuller's Park today. Uh, the city of Milton, Milton High School's baseball lot. So maybe they've recruited the baseball players, I don't know, to help out with that. But that's going to be fun. And in the city of Alpharetta, the Windward Parkway Home Depot, taking your tree. Uh, And you can find more jurisdictions, more towns, more cities on my website, too. I've got a link there. And also, I was uh, very pleased to hear from Mary Kay Woodworth as well that they're firing things back up with the Georgia Urban Ag Council with Lunch and Learn Winter Webinar Series uh, most Fridays for the next few weeks. That's going to be fantastic for uh, many of us. Those are free. Uh, however, if you're trying to get credits, if you're a landscaper or a professional or whatever, those cost just a little bit to participate in those webinar series. But that's great opportunities. And we're going to be talking to Pike Nursery later in the show about low-light houseplants and they've got some houseplant classes coming up today, starting at 10 o'clock. So go ahead and start getting showered, start getting dressed. If you're going to start thinking about uh, getting out of the house in time for those uh, 15 Metro Atlanta locations and uh, houseplant class at 10, there's a couple of different classes that you may be interested in that we'll talk to them about. 404-872-0750. I think it's time to step out and check traffic and weather and where the road uh, the cone zones are, the road construction, road work zones are on the interstates of Metro Atlanta. Mike Boozer is going to let you know next on WSB. So many ways to listen on 95.5 on your radio, AM 750 if you're still old school. And I love that. I think I had a call a week or two ago, somebody from Ohio who gets the AM 750 signal that's broadcast right out of here, Metro Atlanta. 
goes all the way up there and it's pretty strong usually until uh between you know like dawn and dusk whenever the sun changes is kind of when the signal comes in and out but online on streaming on wspradio.com as scott just mentioned your smart speaker we are here with you uh the weekend weather update brought to you by finley roofing it is really chilly right now so if you're going out this morning please dress in layers have that jacket ann and i learned the hard way that it was a little colder than what we thought. You may have some frost on the windshield, too. About 40 degrees right now, but it's going to be a nice warm-up this afternoon to 60 degrees and mostly sunny skies. Scattered showers and cloudy, off and on rain tomorrow. High of 57, low of 43. And then the morning showers will taper out quickly after Monday morning, and it'll turn out to be a partly cloudy afternoon. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. So you think that large group of folks sounded really enthusiastic, and they truly were. Uh, Mill Creek Middle School in Woodstock, my hometown, uh, that was a room full of about 75 eighth graders. And they were just so enthusiastic when I told them they were going to hear themselves on the radio, and there they are. Uh, It makes me happy when I hear it every Saturday. Number one, uh, I want you to clean your indoor plants, your house plants. Clean the leaves with a damp rag. That's what I mean, a damp rag or a paper towel. They've got to be dusted, you know, just like the pores in our skin. The leaves need air to be able to breathe and the sunlight needs to be able to get to them. So just sandwich the leaf between the folds of the cloth. Wipe gently from the inside back out towards yourself. Change the cloth from each plant to uh, get a clean rag in between. You don't want to transfer any insects or disease. Cut back on fertilizer, right? Except for the plants you're trying to force to bloom. Most things are not in high demand for any nutrients right now. Number two, keep all indoor plants away from drafts and direct heat sources. Um, and also make sure house plants don't touch any windows because that cold window pane doesn't feel good to them. It doesn't feel good to us. Uh, keep them misted if they're tropical and they need that high humidity and turn them as well. I have a croton in a pot and it's on a podium and it just keeps getting taller and taller, which is awesome. I love seeing the croton in Florida. Um, and it's more, you know, of a house plant here because it can't tolerate the cold, but it definitely leans toward the window. So keep those pots rotated too. Just turn those pots around about 180 degrees to make sure you have kind of even growth uh, and, and house plants that aren't growing crooked. And number three, finish up uh, winter cleanup, pruned deciduous perennials, maybe three to four inches from the ground. Uh, Rudy Beckia was one of the ones that I did, left the stem so that I knew where they were. Uh, leave part of the stem. That helps mark the location, the size of the plant. You kind of know what's going to happen there. Uh, saying good morning, too, to Avery, who I know just celebrated a birthday And big brother Andrew, who's listening as well. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning and getting up early, guys, with your mom. Uh, 404-872-0750. Still want to talk to you about any pruning questions, freeze damage, new plants you want to try. If you want to head out to the nursery and kind of start discovering some things, maybe even getting some of those seeds ready, right? You want to go ahead and invest in some really good seed for the summer vegetables you want to grow. Because I will certainly be making you aware of that time, maybe in a little more than a month, starting the seed trays indoors. And you'll have more tomato plants, more pepper plants and okra plants than you'll be able to shake a stick out when you're able to have the right conditions and do those yourself and then transplant them out in the garden. Uh, coming up, speaking of the garden, one of the most adventurous vegetable gardeners I know, most enthusiastic, passionate, and really knowledgeable, Joe Lample. Um, also known as Joe Gardner, the franchise. He's written a ton of books, the television show, Growing a Greener World. His podcast is fantastic. We'll be talking to him here in just under 10 minutes. And I've got some questions for him too. What the cold did to your vegetable gardens? Um, Not quite sure 
how your things bounced back. Mine did not. My broccoli and Brussels sprouts absolutely did not bounce back despite being covered. Uh, Any of the other maybe leafy crops that you've got going on in the landscape right now, you'll definitely want to tune in in the next 10 minutes for Joe Lample as he joins me for an hour on the show. And then we wrap things up at 830 with Pike Nursery. They're going to be calling in about low light houseplants and the classes that are going to be offered for free at Pike Nursery locations coming up today, this morning. So you're going to get up, get dressed, get ready to get your day started. I'm glad you're starting it with me, Ashley Frasca, right here on Green and Growing. Come right back on 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Really, really inspired and glad so many of you are listening and and we're all very uh, relatable to one another this weekend, for sure. We all experienced the cold temperatures. Well, those of you listening in Florida, you had iguanas falling out of the trees. So for you, that was cold. Uh, But for here in Metro Atlanta, for North Georgia, we all experienced the same thing around Christmas and we're all kind of lamenting together, right? It's going to be okay. Just hang in there. I know you've got a lot of things that are damaged and just do your best. Uh, Go out and do what little bit you can right now. And we're going to wait for the promise of spring. Uh, Someone that I know, a good friend of mine and a great gardener that cannot wait for spring, I think is his favorite time of year. It's Joe Lample. Joe Gardner, how are you? (laughs) I am fine. You just got me thinking about what is my favorite time of the year because I I love this spring so much for obviously the reasons we're probably going to talk about. Yes, and you're so busy 12 months out of the year Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I don't know Mm -hmm. if you slow down to really think about what your favorite season is. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's why I had to ponder that for a second because I'm running at a thousand miles a minute and... uh, but it's all good. We live in a great part of the country to, to get out in the garden pretty much year round, uh, with the exception of crazy few days like we just had a couple weeks ago. Well, and the amazing thing about you, Joe, too, is is having a national TV personality and a nationwide mm-hmm. television show growing a greener world. Um, yeah. You still have to kind of stay in sync with the gardeners that aren't as fortunate as us. You know, you've mm. got viewers in Montana, you've got viewers in <laughs> Idaho, and you're like, okay, well, their gardening season is, of course, more limited than ours. Uh, but they all share just that that wonderment and that anxiousness to get out and, and garden, right? Oh, do they ever? Yes, they do. And I always have to remind myself that, you know, a lot of people don't have it as good as we do as far as the conditions to be able to get out there quicker and for longer than we do. And um, I have to remind myself of that. And if I, if I forget, I get reminded by them <laughs> to, uh, to don't forget about them up there. Cause they, uh, their seasons are obviously shorter and, um, and, uh, but they still love their time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we all need yeah. it. It's therapeutic. I think it's probably a resolution <laughs> for, for, most people listening to spend more time outside this year. And every year we say we're going to do it. Every year we say we're going to start, you know, a, a demonstration garden or raised vegetable beds or something like that. And this is the year to do it. There's no better time than now to start on those. Yeah. And I have been, you know, following you from afar. We haven't really gotten to catch up in the last few months. We've both been so busy. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. thank you for coming on today. That means the world. Oh, gosh, it's been it's been too long. I mean, I know we talked about doing this a lot sooner than now, but at least we pulled it off for today, and I've been looking forward to it. 
And a resolution that we should both make, actually, is to do this more often so we don't let busyness get in the way of good conversation. Agreed. Agreed. And I know all of the the things that you have to offer today, a lot of listeners are going to benefit from. So they follow you at JoeGardner.com and they watch the show, Growing a Greener World. How has that been going? That's been going good. You know, this year we did take, uh, we were on hiatus this year because we were focused on the new course that we we are working on for the Online Gardening Academy, which is called Organic Vegetable Gardening. And it's 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 something I've wanted to do, actually, for, for literally years. When I said I first hosted uh, Fresh from the Garden on the DIY Network, and that was three years of teaching people how to grow food from seed to harvest, focusing on one crop at a time. So each episode was singularly focused on a particular crop, like tomatoes or cucumbers or melons or whatever. And each of those would be one show. But that was 2003, four, and five. And since then, nothing's been done like that. And then it wasn't even done organically. And I thought, what a great opportunity at some point in the future to recreate that series from my own garden here in Milton. Uh, similar garden, only bigger, a little bit bigger, and teach it my way and employ organic principles and things that I can do without the restraints of, you know, television network telling me that what I can and can't do. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's what we did this past year. We finally we finally put things on hold with Going to Green World for a year so that I could pull my crew in that films that show and come to my garden pretty much every day from March until just before Christmas and capture everything growing in the garden. So we probably grew 35 different crops, warm and cool season, and showed how to grow them literally from the, either the seed or the seedling going into the ground all the way through harvest and all the important steps along the way to get those plants to harvest successfully, including pest and disease management and watering and fertilization. So it's super compact, are super concise, and so that's why we couldn't do both. It just takes a lot of time either way. Well, it makes sense that you need the experts that are very good at TV production for this because yeah. the Online Gardening Academy and the featured mm-hmm. courses that you offer, which I definitely want to get into and let folks you know, be made aware of what the courses are, the production quality is fantastic. And like you said, it's like watching your television show from the early 2000s, but this is at mm-hmm. my own pace. I can start mm-hmm. and stop the videos when I want. I can go back and re-watch a section that I wasn't really clear on and you work at your own pace it's really a fantastic modules the way you set those up thank you and it just it seems to make the most sense for online learning you need to have the flexibility to do it on your schedule on whatever device you've got not be you know tied just to a tv for example uh and so we took all of that into consideration when we decided on the platform and and how to create the content and so thanks for saying that but you're you're right about all of those things So JoeGardner.com is where you'll get started and then go to courses and you can find more about the Online Gardening Academy. Before we get to that, because we're really Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, some summer vegetables there, growing tomatoes and other things. But I want to ask you how your cool season vegetables fared with that Christmas freeze. How are things looking and how did you cover them? Interesting you asked me that. So, uh, yeah, I had all my great cool season, all the brassicas and everything was looking good. And and fortunately, you know, I was able to harvest a lot of all of that before I went out of town, right before that weather hit. I think the day I left was the day it started really going down in single digits. And so I'd covered everything up with row cover, uh, but that was about it. And when I got back, um, this everything was pretty much mush. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like I had broccoli and cauliflower and cabbage, and they are cold-hardy plants, and, and they can handle temperatures down to – 25 Fahrenheit um, before they start to show impact. But I will tell you this, and that is what really did the plants in was not so much the cold, because like I said, I had them covered with some row cover 
And that that keeps the frost off. And frost it, it doesn't really kill these kind of plants, but for prolonged periods of time, it could do it. But what really got it, and my point in telling you this, is it was the wind. Okay. The wind can desiccate that foliage and, you know, obviously dry it out, combined with the cold weather. And when you put prolonged timing into that, that's really what did it in. Because when I came back, my kale, which is pretty much the most bulletproof plant I have in my cool season garden, looked really good. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And I didn't even cover it up. Oh. But in the subsequent days, it started to show the effects of the wind burn. And, mm-hmm. and, and now, you know, there's new growth coming out of the, of the top, but the foliage that was there that was exposed to the wind and the cold, would, you wouldn't want to eat that because it's kind of brown and, and doesn't look so good. But it's because mainly of the wind. The cold alone wouldn't have, wouldn't have done that. Gosh, yeah. And I mean, I used a sheet and it was so important whether you used frost cloth, a sheet was probably a little heavy, but whatever covering you used, even a cardboard box or a bucket or something like that, very important to at least take that off the next morning, even though it was still cold. I mean, we still woke up at 9 and 10 a.m., you know, to temperatures that were below 20 degrees, but not letting the moisture build up underneath those covers or the weight of the wet you know, frost yeah. cloth or sheet or something, weigh those down. But you're right. I mean, I thought my broccoli plants looked pretty good for the next day or two and then uh-huh. started to lose the green color, then started to go yeah. limp. And like you said, they ended up just being mush. So I planted too yeah. late, didn't have any <clears throat> harvest from any of those. Um, and especially mm. like the leafy crops, um, you know, like you're talking, maybe the kales and things like that. They just did yeah. not... I mean, some of them, the leaves just got way too wilted and too much moisture, and that was the end of that. Well, you know, a trick there, and I and I can totally relate to that, and I did a podcast yesterday that's coming out next week about, you know, 10 look-back lessons I learned or oh. were reminded of for 2022, and one of them was timing on planting your warm or your cool-season crops. And for the cool-season crops, what you just said is very important because we, we need to know or be reminded that cool-season crops – love to mature in cooler weather, but they do not mind warm weather when they're planted. So by putting your, by, like if you wanted to start seeds indoors in the middle of July here in the Atlanta area for your brassicas, your broccoli, your cauliflower, your kale, all of that, and then set it out in the garden, plant it sometime late in August, that's giving you time that those plants need to mature coming into cold weather before it gets too cold. And they don't mind starting out in warm weather. They're fine with that. You just don't want them maturing in warm weather. So you and I both need to, you know, mark on our calendars to get an <laughs> yeah. earlier start next summer for our cool season thing so we don't have this happen again because there's plenty of time here, especially if we get started at the right time. Well, and I mean, what plant doesn't love warm nutritious soil, right? So the roots are getting established. That's really most important what that's about at the beginning of planting is that root establishment. And then you're right. Mm -hmm. You said as the weeks go by and the weather cools off a little bit, that's when really the leaves and the foliage is starting to appreciate the cooler weather and kind of the indicator for the Mm -hmm. plant to start doing its thing. Yep. And and then when we get an earlier start, the, the sun is higher up in the sky. So you have more photosynthetic power driving those plants and feeding those plants from above. And then as the months wane, uh, the, the sun is lower in the sky, the days are shorter, and so you can't get that back. And so you really want to capitalize on the best of the uh, the opportunities that the sun provides in that warm weather. So, yes, let's all get started earlier next year. And same thing applies coming into the, in the, into the summer. Uh, you know, you can – you want your cool season crops to mature before it gets too hot. Mm-hmm. So you can – 
start them ahead of the last risk of frost, too, outside. So now here in the Atlanta area or North Georgia, uh, when can we do round two of cool season stuff? Can we or do we just sit back and wait to uh, start seed for well, our warm season stuff? So now we're in real time you're talking about. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sow in the next week or so, I'm going to start all my cool season crops inside so I can get my broccoli and my cauliflower and my cabbage and my kale and all of those kind of plants uh, out in the garden already growing as seedlings about four weeks before April 15th, which is roughly our last risk of frost in this area. So they'll have four weeks of growing time before, you know, the frost is gone. They don't mind frost either, but I want them to mature before we get into like mid-June because then it gets too hot and they start to bolt and, you know, you missed your opportunity. So starting early there is key too. So we still have enough time. I mean, that's promising. And and I don't really think of year-round vegetable gardening. I should. I need to kind of reframe my mindset on that. But really, there's two Mm -hmm. great windows of opportunity to be able to do cool season. And kind of in the summer, too. Like, you know, you've recommended plant the tomato plants kind of early. But then when you have round two and keep tomatoes going, I mean, you can do another planting Mm -hmm. in what, June or July? Sure can. And a lot of times you you get a fresh start on your tomato plants that you you get them in the ground then. You miss a a disease cycle that may have moved through and the pathogen has run its course and now you're out there later in the season with plenty of time to get, you know, ripe tomatoes, but you've passed, you've passed by some cycles of some of the plant diseases that affect tomatoes. And you could really end up with great looking tomato plants with lots of fruit and not as prone to diseases. And, so you know, if we're one. in the uh, if we're buying the tomato varieties, too, that are determinant, meaning they all come on at mm-hmm. one time and then you're kind of disappointed that, you know, maybe come May or early June, you're like, oh, my tomatoes are done. So that's when you can do another plant and get more. Yeah. And in the meantime, you can take suckers, not so much off the determinant plants, but the indeterminate, huh. the ones that keep growing yeah. and pot those up. And then you, your plant, you know, you've got instant genetic clones of your favorite varieties ready to go as new plants that can keep on growing. Look at you. See, I'm okay. I'm, I'm motivated now. I was so disappointed <laughs> at the outcome of my broccoli and my Brussels sprouts over the last couple of weeks. So, all right, round two. Well, Joe, if you'll stick around, I want to yep. talk more about the Online Gardening Academy, looking okay. ahead to starting seed for our summer vegetables and the latest addition you have to the garden farm. I've admired the pictures. <laughs> I know you are so happy. It's been a long time yeah. coming, so I'm going to let you share that uh-huh. with listeners too. Okay. All right. Thanks. Cool. Thanks, Joe Gardner. Follow him online, joegardner.com. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. All right, the weather update for the weekend brought to you by Finley Roofing. Mostly sunny today. It's going to warm up quite nicely, especially around lunchtime. High of around 60. Tomorrow, though, cloudy. Off and on rain showers with a high of 60, uh, 57, rather, 57. So expect some scattered storms tomorrow. Um, all right, joining me on the phone right now is Joe Lample, who lives in North Atlanta. But, man, has a national television show, so you are very in tune with not only Georgia gardening, but you kind of got to <laughs> be, be well-versed in all zones, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you do. It's, it's hard to know the specifics for every growing region because sometimes I get asked. Uh, but uh, cool. you, you have to have a very broad <laughs> knowledge of a lot of best practices related to all things gardening, for sure. Now, one thing, though, that all of us can relate to is seed starting. And I've learned so much mm. over the years from you when it comes to that. You've really been my one 
my one stop shop for starting seed and inspiring me to do that because everyone's got the same condition indoors, right? As long as we have what we need, everyone can start plants inside from seed. They can. And, and although everyone can, a lot of people don't because they feel like it's too complicated or intimidating or they don't quite know where to begin. And, you know, we created, you know, a core, a whole course on master seed starting, but when it really comes down to it, if you want to just get started as a lot of people that have done this know if you've got some good, you know, well-draining soil, some sterile soil mix that doesn't have any disease in it, and that's something you can buy, just nice, clean seed starting mix, and some some seeds that aren't too old, and um, a light, like a uh, fluorescent shop light, that's kind of all you need to get started. I mean, it, it you can really get into the weeds with it if you wanted to, but if you boil it down to the brass tacks, it's not complicated, and you can you can really go from there and get excited about it. But you don't need to uh, invest a fortune, and you don't need to know a lot to get started. Well, so right now that is something I could be doing. You know, we're we're kind of itching to get back outside, Joe. And gardeners hate mm. the winter time because there's not a lot that we could be doing. But one thing we can be doing yeah. is thinking ahead and getting the seed packets that we want, and and getting excited mm-hmm. about the plants we're going to try. Yeah, and be- and before even that, if you've got seed packets laying around from last year or who knows 10 years before take an inventory of what you've got and you know you save yourself some money from have from reordering accidentally reordering what you already have because a lot of those seeds that you may have could still be viable meaning that they would germinate if you planted them but the first thing is to gather up all those seeds and if in doubt like if the seed packs they'll all have a year date on them and if they're more than three years old you might want to check their viability that's such an easy thing to do Take a few of the seeds out, dampen some paper towels, place the, the seeds in the damp paper towel, fold the towel over a couple times and put it in a Ziploc bag for, for a few days. And then check to see if the seeds have sprouted. You know, they, they'll send out a little radical root and a new yeah. shoot. And, and that lets you know if, um, if they're still good. And if five of the 10, I always like to sew 10 of those into those paper towels. Okay. If five of the 10 germinate, that tells you your, your viability is 50%. So if you want 10 plants in the garden to sprout, you want to plant 20 seeds because of the 50% viability. But anyway, I like like the experimentation. Yeah, that way you can afford to still use some for experimentation and have some left for the garden. We will be right back more with Joe Lample, host of Growing a Greener World and author next on WSB. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.